In the hospital, they throw you out on the street before you're half cured. But in the nursing home, they don't let you out till you're dead. George Bernard Shaw. Welcome to Retire Mentorship, your mentor to win through retirement. I'm your host, Freeman Lindy, Certified Financial Planner. Today, we take a turn on our Life Insurance Lies mini-series and look at the couple of good uses for permanent life insurance. Where do they apply and how should we be using them in an overall financial plan? That's coming up on the Retire Mentorship Podcast. First, the two men tune in. Primary points of the podcast in about two minutes. In my estimation, there are about three good uses for permanent life insurance. They are not the catch-all Swiss Army knife that they are made out to be, but there are a few good uses. One of them is as a hybrid long-term care alternative. Depending on the study you look at, anywhere from 25 to 70% of those over 65 will need long-term care at some point. And long-term care standalone insurance is one of the most expensive insurances you can buy. And it's use it or lose it. Some hybrid long-term care permanent life insurance policies will get you some long-term care coverage without the lose it or use it expense. Another use is as a blue bucket alternative. You will need some fixed income investments in retirement. Anywhere from 10 to 30% of your retirement nest egg should be in a blue bucket or fixed income type investment. That's obviously much less than the 50 to 60% that many people have, but still can be a good amount of money. If you're looking to get 3 to 4% returns on that, sometimes a permanent life insurance policy can be a good fit since that's about what you will get on those anyways. They are not a replacement for equity returns, but could be a good way to diversify your fixed income holdings when you need fixed income, i.e. after age 50. And the last good use for permanent life insurance is as both, both a hybrid blue bucket strategy, using some permanent life insurance to help with your long-term care needs and also diversify your blue bucket. That's coming up on the Retire Mentorship Podcast. Long-term care and other uses of permanent life insurance. As we've discussed in the past few weeks, permanent life insurance is often touted as a Swiss Army knife of financial planning. You should have it no matter what. No matter your age or circumstances, you need permanent life insurance. Or at least that is how it's sold to us. And as we've discussed over the last four weeks, most of those strategies are not that great. And there are much better financial planning strategies, especially in your younger years. When you've got decades before retirement and many more decades before passing, you need the long-term returns of equities, not the very poor long-term returns of permanent life insurance. But there are a few good uses for permanent life insurance, and we're going to cover three of them today, what might be the only three good uses, honestly. The first is as a hybrid long-term care policy. Depending on the studies you look at, anywhere from 25 to 70% of the people over 65 will need long-term care at some point in their lives. The gap is huge because the statistics can be easily skewed in favor of one thing or another. Let's use the 25% as it's the lowest percent chance that you will need long-term care of some point in retirement. This means that one out of four people will end up spending a ton of money on long-term care. 
if you've never had an experience with long-term care or with someone you know, you may not know just how expensive it can get. Full live-in nursing homes can cost anywhere from five to $10,000 per month. If you have a million-dollar nest egg, you can see how $10,000 a month can burn through that pretty quickly. Stories of impoverished spouses and legacies being destroyed by long-term care needs abound. Needing long-term care is the most expensive thing you could face in retirement. And so the question becomes how to pay for it. Some people will just roll the dice, hoping they will never need long-term care and can avoid the expense. Other people will try Medicaid planning, which is getting rid of a lot of your money or all of your money so that the state can pay for it. To me, there are some situations where that seems highly unethical. If you have the money to pay for your own care and you are diving through some loopholes to make other people pay for your care instead, it just doesn't seem right. And in many cases, it's also simply not practical to attempt such Medicaid planning. Still others will turn to long-term care insurance to pay for long-term care. And here is an absolute fact. Long-term care insurance is the best way to pay for long-term care. If you end up needing long-term care, whether assisted care or in-home care or full-on, full-service nursing home care, long-term care insurance is dollar for dollar the best way to pay for that care. It is the best way to maximize what you put in and what you get out, for sure, hands down. The big caveat to that, though, is if you need long-term care. If we're looking at the lower statistics, where three out of four people will not need long-term care, then long-term care insurance, as a standalone product, will not help you at all. Instead, it becomes simply one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive insurance you could possibly pay for, and either you use it or you lose it, meaning you may end up spending thousands and thousands of dollars per year on insurance that you never need. Now, that's what we hope about all insurance, right? We don't buy homeowner's insurance hoping that our home will burn to the ground. We don't buy auto insurance hoping we will get into a car accident or nail a deer on the way home. We don't buy life insurance hoping we will die before our time. And we don't buy long-term care insurance hoping that we will get Alzheimer's or dementia or some kind of serious injury that incapacitates us before our time. So to some degree, all insurance is use it or lose it and should be looked at that way as insurance, not as an investment. Still though, Homeowner's insurance could be anywhere from $700 to $2,500 a year, depending on the size of your house. Long-term care insurance can be anywhere from $2,500 to $10,000 a year, depending on the size of your policy. That's a lot of money to be sinking into a use-it-or-lose-it scheme. Part of the reason it is so expensive is because so many people use it. If one out of four people need it, then... The three out of four will need to help pay for that, plus all the profits of the insurance companies themselves. So while long-term care insurance as a standalone product might be the best way to pay for long-term care, many people cannot afford these astronomical premiums as part of their overall financial plan. 
If you can afford it and you want the security of knowing that long-term care will never destroy your legacy or your nest egg or impoverish your spouse, it might still be the way to go. But in all honesty, I don't see a lot of people in that situation where long-term care as a standalone product makes sense. And so we start looking towards other strategies, either just general financial planning strategies or perhaps even other products to help fill this need for long-term care costs. And one of those ways is with a hybrid long-term care permanent life insurance. The way that these work is that you buy the permanent life insurance in whatever way you decide to do that, and they will have a long-term care clause on that. That is, if you need long-term care, which is often defined as being unable to do two of the six activities of daily living, which include feeding yourself, getting out of a chair by yourself, going to the bathroom by yourself, those types of things. If you're unable to do two of those, then you can qualify for long-term care. And what will happen then is that the death benefit of these permanent life insurance policies can be accelerated, that is, paid out early to help with the long-term care needs. It's a permanent policy, which means that the insurance company knows they are paying out this death benefit either way. So, what they can do is they can just pay out some of it a little bit early for your long-term care needs, being that often it will end up in passing anyways. These can often be accomplished as a single pay option, meaning that you put a bunch of money into one of these policies at once and it is paid up and you're done. And so let's say you take $100,000 and you put it into a hybrid long-term care policy. Perhaps that gives you a $200,000 death benefit. So you will have some access to that cash value while you're retired. And if anything happens to you or you pass away, $200,000 will pay out instead of getting $100,000 back. But if you need long-term care, then that $200,000 can get paid out to you early. Often it pays out something like 2% of the death benefit monthly. So if you have a $200,000 death benefit, that means it would pay out $4,000 per month for long-term care needs. While that might not put you up in the Ritz-Carlton of nursing homes, it can certainly help with at-home care or with partial nursing home situations. And if you, again, only put in $100,000, you are doubling your money that can be used for long-term care. Again, if you actually need long-term care, a standalone long-term care insurance policy is the best way to pay for that, and you will get much more bang for your buck using one of those. Typically, it's three to four times what you put in will be paid out for your care, whereas with a hybrid long-term care life insurance policy, it's closer to only double what you put in. Still, the benefit to these is that if you don't use the long-term care aspect of it. If you're one of the three out of four people that never need long-term care or at least don't need it enough to need expensive nursing care, then you still have the policy and still have the death benefit. It's not a use it or lose it. It's a use it for long-term care or use it as a death benefit and still get that money tax-free in the end. This is a lot easier for many people to stomach versus a use-it-or-lose-it scheme. And for many people in their retirement financial plan, it's also more affordable. Many people can't afford to give up 
thousands and thousands of dollars a year over their entire course of their life to never see it again. Whereas a lot of people can afford to move some money around and make sure that they end up with more than they put into it, whether through long-term care needs or through a death benefit in the end. There are many different types of policies for these, some that you pay into over time, others that you pay into all at once. I personally am a, more of a fan of the ones that you pay into at once. I also, as I mentioned before, do not usually recommend that people pay into these for a long period of time. At the end of the day, the returns on these will be pretty low, especially for the cash value component of it. And so this is not something that I recommend to anyone under the age 50 or at least 10 years out from retirement. But once you're through that threshold, and if you or maybe your parents or grandparents are between the ages of 50 and 70, this might be something to explore. It's a way to pay for these astronomical long-term care costs without ever having to truly lose the money. Moving it around, getting different returns and different benefits, but either way, you will always get your money back and then some. So, as far as uses for permanent life insurance goes, a hybrid long-term care policy is and can be a good way to pay for this. Now, it doesn't fit with everyone. Many people, as they get to and reach retirement, have all their money in retirement accounts, 401ks and the like. And it may not make sense to pull out a bunch of money, say $100,000 all at once, to pay for long-term care or a hybrid policy the tax burden of that may be too great. And so it still depends on your specific situation, but at least there are some good uses for permanent life insurance as a long-term care hybrid alternative. The next good use for permanent life insurance is as a blue bucket alternative. Now, I've alluded to this in past episodes, and eventually we will flush this out to make it very clear But when you get to retirement, as you approach and as you're in retirement, you will need some of your money in blue bucket. That is, you will need some of your overall investments in fixed income investments. Equities are great. I love equities. I'm an equity evangelist, but they are volatile. And when you need money, that is exactly when they're bound to be down. And since you need money throughout all of your retirement from your investments, there will definitely be some times where your equity investments are down. And the only way to turn a temporary decline into a permanent loss is to pull money out of your equities when their values are down. And so you need a different bucket of money to pull from when your equities are down so that you are not suffering permanent losses. In retirement, you need money in a blue bucket or fixed income. That can be anywhere from 10 to 30% of your entire retirement nest egg should be in fixed income. Now, again, that's a far cry from the 50 to 70% that many people say should be in your fixed income. 10 to 30 is much smaller than that, and we'll flush that out in a future episode as to why. But let's just take 20% for now. If you are in retirement or approaching retirement, you should have 20% of your nest egg in blue bucket in fixed income. Now, that's not an exact recommendation for you. It's a recommendation to instead explore real financial planning and find out why it's that versus you know 60 to 70% of your money. So don't go out and do something that you don't fully understand. This is not investment advice. But if you're doing true financial planning, perhaps you'll end out with 20% of your money in 
fixed income. Now, that money is going to be getting, these days, maybe 3 to 4% returns in bonds and other type fixed incomes. And so there might be a case to be made that you could swap out some of those blue bucket returns for some other blue bucket returns. The returns on a good cash value permanent life insurance policy will end up being around 3 to 4%. Now, again, you cannot get equity-like returns in a permanent life insurance policy. We covered that two weeks ago. There are some of these policies that are indexed against the S&P 500 or other indexes, and they are sometimes sold as if you can get equity-like returns without the volatility or with a floor on it. And we, As we discussed in that episode, it's not possible. If equities are getting 8 to 9%, and you are in some permanent life insurance policy that indexes against that, you will not be getting 8 to 9% returns. You will be getting 3 to 5% returns. But if we're not trying to use it as an equity replacement, but rather as a fixed income replacement, those 3 to 4, or 3 to 5% returns may still be good enough. And so if you have, let's say, a million dollars in your total nest egg in retirement. And you can just cut this in half if you have half that or cut it in fourths if you have a fourth of that or double it if you have more, whatever the case may be. But let's just take a million for, for round numbers. This means that you will probably need somewhere around 200,000 of that in blue bucket. And so that's 200 grand that you will need not in equities so that when, not if, your equities are down, you have a different bucket of money to pull from. And so if you have $200,000 in cash and bonds and CDs and other fixed income tools that are collectively getting 3 to 4%, it may make sense to take a portion of that and put it into a good permanent life insurance policy. Now, there are a lot of really, really bad permanent life insurance policies that no one under any circumstances should ever get. They're usually sold by captive agents because no one in their right mind who is on the independent space and has access to anything and everything would sell these. And so if you are getting your life insurance from a uh, home and auto insurance company, that's a bad deal. If you're getting it from some random fraternal organization, it's probably a bad deal. There are a handful of good permanent life insurance is out there for this situation and only a handful. So make sure that you're working with someone who is a broker, not a captive agent, and who can make sure that they're getting you one of the few good ones that are out there. But if you, again, need $200,000 that will be making 3 to 4%, and you can put a portion of that, say 100000 into something where the cash value will, again, still make that 3 to 4%, and where you can still access that when, not if, your red bucket or your equities go down, that can still be a good deal. One, it does diversify you out of having it all in bonds and having an alternative asset class that will perform differently than your bonds will. But then two, it will also double as life insurance. So if you pass away prematurely, you will get paid out a lot more and on a tax-free basis than you would if it was all just sitting in bonds. Now, here is the critical point. Right. This is a blue bucket alternative. And as we've talked about in real financial planning, you should not even have a blue bucket until you are approaching or are in retirement. If you have good financial planning and you're doing it right, you should be in 100% equities all the way up until you are close to retirement. And so I'm not recommending this as an alternative 
to other investments when you're 30 or 40. I'm saying that when you get close to retirement and you need the blue bucket anyways, it may make sense to take in a portion of that blue bucket and put it into a good permanent life insurance policy. You get a diversified blue bucket fixed income return and it doubles as life insurance to pay out tax-free to your spouse or other loved ones when something happens to you. So that would be point number two of a good use for permanent life insurance that when you are close to or in retirement, it may be a good blue bucket alternative if you find the right policy and are in the right situation. The last good use of permanent life insurance is as both a hybrid long-term care blue bucket using some of your retirement nest egg as both long-term care and as a blue bucket. You get the best of both worlds. Again, let's say you have a million dollars or cut it in half or double it depending on where you are. If you have a million dollars and you need 200,000 of it in blue bucket in fixed income. And so maybe you take a hundred thousand of that and you put it into a permanent life insurance policy. That is a single pay. I prefer single pay over the ones you pay into because committing even for 10 years or 20 years to pay into something when you don't know what the future is going to be like does not give you a lot of flexibility. And it goes against one of our three tenets of good retirement income, which is that it lasts the duration of your retirement, goes in the direction it needs to go, which is up over your retirement and has deviation, has flexibility in retirement. And if you're committing to paying for something for 10 years or 20 years, that is not giving you a lot of that final option, a lot of deviation, a lot of flexibility. And so I prefer single pay because then perhaps as you approach retirement, maybe you're a couple years out and the market is high and this would be a good time to capture some of those gains. Now, you're not going to want to because whenever the market is doing well, the natural human instinct is to try to stay in the market and you don't try to get out until it goes back down. So you have to work against your human instincts, preferably with someone that can help you work against those, a good financial planner, and take some of the money out when it's up, when it's high in the equities, and put it into fixed income. Capture some of those gains and lock those in. So perhaps you're a couple years out from retirement and the market's up, or maybe you're six years out from retirement and the market's down. Well, in those six years, it should come back. And so maybe now you're a few years out, the market's back, it's that uh, at or near an all-time high, and you carve out some of those gains, and all at once, you put it into a single-pay permanent life insurance policy with a hybrid LTC option. And so now you have both. Perhaps you have 200000 in total in blue bucket, so you have $50,000 in cash, and you put $100,000 into a permanent life insurance policy, and you have another $50,000 in an IRA and bonds and other type fixed income. And then you have your total uh, fixed income bucket that you need. What is more, you've now doubled a portion of that. The $100,000 you put into life insurance, perhaps you now have $200,000 in death benefit. So something happens to you, you now have more money than if it had all been in bonds. And you have $200,000 to work towards long-term care needs, paying out perhaps $4,000 per month if that ever arises. And so you can double the utility of permanent life insurance policy by doing both, by having it as a blue bucket alternative and as a hybrid long-term care option. Again, this, of course, only applies to people who are close to or in retirement and or have the money to do this. 
Again, if it's all in IRAs, it may not make sense to pull $100,000 out all at once to pay for one of these policies. And this should all, of course, be within the context of a well thought out and followed financial plan. So get one of those first. But after you have that, this may be a good fit inside of that financial plan. And so there you go. Three, I think, of the only good uses for permanent life insurance in an overall financial plan are as a long-term care alternative, as a blue bucket alternative, and preferably both. And so when we talked about early on in this life insurance series that permanent life insurance is not right for 90, 99% of people, there's the 1% to 10% of people who fall into this situation who are at or near retirement and who have a bunch of non-retirement funds sitting there that they want to convert into a hybrid blue bucket. And that is what often makes sense in an overall financial plan. Next week, we will cover term insurance, how to calculate exactly how much you need and figure out where to get that from. And then we'll cover just a couple of the other uh, insurances that you actually need and make sure you understand a few of the ones that you don't so you can avoid those unnecessary costs. And that will wrap up season two, which we're making all about insurance, getting that out of the way, helping you understand from a financial planning perspective what insurances you need and which ones you should avoid at all costs. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. This podcast is educational only and is not intended to be investment, legal, or tax advice or recommendations, whether direct or incidental. Again, this is not investment advice. Consult your financial, tax, and legal professionals for specific advice related to your specific situation. Never take investment advice from someone who doesn't know you and your specific situation. All opinions expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the speakers expressing them. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Retirement mentorship is not affiliated with or controlled by any registered investment advisor, broker-dealer, or other financial services company.